This is Transforming Culture, an MBC podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to Transforming Culture, a podcast from Muskoka Bible Center. Thank you to all of you for your patience with our episode flip over the last couple of weeks, but I'm happy to say that we're back on track with our friend Scotty Smith. We've got a fun episode for you this week, and particularly interesting to me since this is the first guest speaker I've never been able to meet in person. Scotty was scheduled to attend NBC this summer and share several messages with our guests over the course of a week, but due to a COVID connection, he and his wife were unable to attend. Scotty very graciously recorded his seminar discussion about social media in a divided world and then did a live Zoom Q&A with our NBC family back in the summer. This past week, we were finally able to sit down over the internet and talk more about some of his conversation. In all of his discussions, he is so gracious, kind, and fun to talk to, and I really think that comes through both in the seminar and in our talk together. Scotty is the founding pastor and pastor emeritus of Christ Community Church in Franklin, Tennessee. He currently serves as teacher in residence at West End Community Church in Nashville. He has written 10 books, is a mentor, coach, ministry consultant, seminary professor, and vocational discipler. Among his joys are his wife of 50 years, Darlene, two children and four grandchildren, fly fishing, baking, walking seven miles every day, and encouraging God's people in the riches of the gospel. Social media on its own is a dividing topic, and even more so in our polarized world. So I'd encourage you to listen carefully to the framework that Scotty shares when it comes to making important decisions when you engage online. Enjoy. Greetings, dear NBC friends. I had so hoped I was going to be with you there all week. To carry John's tackle box, to net yet again another monster pike for him, as we have fond memories of fishing together. But here I am in Franklin, Tennessee, honored that I get to pre-record this Monday night message, and then Lord willing, sign on for some live Q&A with you. So the topic I've been given to talk about for these next 20, 25 minutes or so is this, social media in a divided world. I love specificity. I love the fact that we do have a focus. I'll mention more about that in a minute. But first of all, why is that topic so important? Well, think of it this way. First of all, social media is such a broad category, right? It covers every form of electronic community and interaction that has been developing at light speed over the past several years. In fact, to put this into context, in the year 2005, only 5% of Americans actively used some form of social media. And again, let's be clear, we're talking about, uh, for our conversation, things like Facebook, 
uh, Instagram, Twitter, just a lot of the standard ones that are out there. YouTube, now those were not reality in their current form, obviously in 2005. But consider this, 5% of Americans were using social media in 2005. In 2022, of my compatriots here in America, that's up to 81%. From 5% to 81%, an enormous jump. I'm not sure what the statistics are for Canada, but I think this is a, this is a pretty important random sample. So yes, we should be concerned about social media. We should not either deify it or demonize it. That will be a part of our conversation. But, but the context is this divided world, social media in a divided world. And that does narrow the bandwidth of our conversation. Thus, again, let me put it like this. This conversation will be exactly about that. Social media in a divided world, not social media and teenage screen time addiction. That's not our topic. Also, our topic is not social media, sports idolatry, and American hockey, which would be of little, very little interest probably to most of you anyway. And it's not this, that so this would be a valid conversation. Social media, advertising, and building an online business. You see, it's a, it's a, it's a broad conversation. Uh, just an easy functional definition of social media Social media refers to the means of interactions among people in which they create, share, and or exchange information and ideas in virtual communities and networks. Another definition, social media are forms of electronic communication, such as websites for social networking and microblogging, through which users create online communities to share information, ideas, personal messages, and other content, such as videos. So what does this mean for you and for me as followers of Jesus Christ? How are we to relate to this phenomenon? How are we to engage in the world? In fact, that's where I want to spend the next few minutes just even talking about some of my theological presuppositions as we wrestle with this question this evening, really building a paradigm for which we can plug in a lot of other topics, for which the question might be the gospel and or the implications of the gospel for believers doing X, Y, and Z. So here are a few of my vital presuppositions before we even get to hopefully what will be some helpful um, gospel-shaped advice and thoughts I have about social media and our participation. So here are some initial thoughts and theological affirmations. Let me start with this one. I have three. And by the way, the notes I'm reading from today, which I will stay to pretty closely because of time constraints, I'm going to email these notes to John and Luke. And so in some form, they'll be available to you, whether at the NBC website or something. But here are my three theological affirmations as we wade into this topic, social media in a divided world. Number one, the Bible tells our story and declares our meaning. Now, you might be thinking, duh, Scotty, that is so very given. Well, maybe, maybe not. 
Listen carefully to my words. The Bible tells our story and declares our meaning. When I use the word story there, I'm not equating that with myth or a way of viewing things. I'm really saying something unique about the Bible. The, the Bible comes to us from Genesis through Revelation as one unfolding big story of creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. The fourfold plot line of our trustworthy storybook, the Bible, is creation. Started in Eden, where God created a world and us for that world, and everything was right. Fall, everything through sin and death got violated and invaded and broken. Redemption, yet we find early in the book of Genesis, God's radical commitment to be a very gracious merciful redeemer and the unfolding of that story of redemption always pointing towards Jesus. Number four of the fourfold plot line, consummation. We are a people who through the Bible, our story that defines and declares our meaning, we are a people with a glorious ending, a resolution, a, a fullness of redemption that has come to bear in a profound way through the resurrection of Jesus and yet anticipates the future. It's very important to think about that Bible in that unfolding fashion, this meta-narrative of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. More about that as we go. Here's still under that larger number one presupposition of, uh, of, 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 of the Bible as uh, our story and our trustworthy meaning. This is our Father's world. The, the Bible has a very clear affirmation about the world. This is, as that great hymn celebrates, this is our Father's world. It doesn't belong to the devil. It doesn't belong to happenstance, but providence. Jesus is making all things new. The Bible says that Jesus is actively involved, not just in redeeming a bride for himself from every single nation, but he's also actively involved in this world. The future of this world is not to blow up or burn up, oh, it will be purified, but as surely as our bodies are gonna be resurrected that we live in now. So this world has a glorious future. This is our Father's world. Jesus is actively making all things new. He's not making all new things. And then lastly, under that first presupposition for our conversation. We live in the tension of the already and not yet. As followers of Jesus, we live in the good news of Jesus's finished work, his resurrection, his ascension, his current reign over all the kings of the earth, and that deep longing that we have for him to return to finish making all things new. Well, living between the resurrection and return of Jesus is tension. Hold on to that thought because it's an important part of how we want to think about engaging this world. Second major theological presupposition, along with affirming the Bible tells our story and declares our meaning, number two, as Christians, the gospel calls us to offer redemptive presence wherever God has placed us, everywhere we live, work, and play. We are, in the words of Jesus, to live as salt and light, 
Or as the Apostle Paul says, we are the first fruits of that ultimate city. God has given us his spirit. God has made us citizens of heaven. And right now we are to think not of running away, not of hiding, but being salt and light. And uh, that speaks of this phrase, redemptive presence. That's critical for social media. It's critical for everything we do. Thirdly and lastly, this uh, set of very important presuppositions, along with the Bible telling our story and declaring our meaning, number two, along with our calling to offer redemptive presence to be the first fruits of the ultimate fullness that will be realized when Jesus returns. Number three, as we engage our divided culture and world, back to our title, as we engage as we see it, as we reckon with the the rancor, the madness, the meanness of the world that we indwell, we should do so with faith, hope, and love, not fear, pessimism, and anger. Faith, hope, and love, that glorious gospel trifecta, that triad shows up through more than one author of scripture in a very specific way, but it really runs throughout the entire story of the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. We are a people of faith. There's a content to what we believe, but also faith as trusting in the triune God. We are a people of faith, not fear. We're not left alone. Uh, Our resurrected Jesus is not watching us from afar and pulling for us. He is the one that's actively involved as a redeemer, restorer, and hallelujah for that. Faith, hope, hope is not hype. Hope is not spin. Hope is remembering, is knowing God's story so well we begin to remember it into our present. Faith, hope, and love. And love is such a critical part of a gospel culture in full view of the fact that we are, we are seeing more rancor and rage and canceling than in any season of my 72, 72 years of life and, and almost 50 years of knowing Jesus. Actually, more than 50 years of knowing Jesus because I came to know him at age 18. There is just so much Fear, pessimism, and anger, and too much of it is uh, left uncontested by Christians. I'm talking about our fear, pessimism, and anger. No, faith, hope, and love are to be the culture, are are to be uh, evidences of our living in our communities, or our living out our vocations, whatever God has called us to do for our involvement in every aspect of the culture. So this leads me down to really kind of the the focus, some some practical interaction about the theme of how are we to not ignore? How are we not to be naive or paranoid about the phenomenon of social media? I've got three words. Again, if you don't get the notes, Soon enough, at least go ahead and write down these three words now. And we can talk about these. Again, we're going to do some live interaction here. So prepare your pushback. uh, Write down your questions you would like us to explore together. But here are three key words that that answer that question, or at least wrestle with it with curiosity. How are we to engage 
with social media in a divided world. Three words, wisdom, moderation, intentionality. Now, what do I mean by these three words? In light of our presuppositions, there is an ultimate story. There is a reigning savior. There is a real gospel. We are not called to be cowering or cowards or take control types. We are to be those who are in union with Christ. So with regard to social media, we involve ourselves with wisdom. And uh, again, for the sake of time, I'm going to read my words. While we are called to offer redemptive presence, we are always somebody else's mission field. In this highly charged and divided world, social media has never been more filled with identity-defining, grabbing, shaping power. Let me say that again. When we talk about social media, part of wisdom is it's just an awareness of, okay, if I go there, what should I expect? Right? That's just a, that's what wisdom is all about. It's uh, self-awareness. It's other awareness. It's really tuning into where I am. So wisdom presupposes that we understand that, that even though we want to have impact, there are so many forces and powers, ideologies, idols that would seek to grab us. Ideas are not primarily being shared for consideration and dialogue in social media. I mean, oh, for the day of sitting on the front porch and just to respectfully say to each other, what do you think about this? No, unfortunately, social media, for the most part, is not a place for dialogue, but diatribe. Be wise about that. Know that going in, right? Ideas through social media, for the most part, are force-fed, financially driven, propaganda selling, and trigger Baited. That's a lot of hyphens in that one sentence. That's just an awareness. But think of it like this. If you were to go to a professional wrestling match, what would you expect, right? Not a ballet. You know, people are going to be thrown around and about. You know, the crowd is going to enter into the narrative of professional wrestling as though these are not actors. These are, these are people that really are throwing each other out of the rink. You, 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 you have an anticipation when you go to a wrestling match. Here's what it's going to be. Well, social media right now is just not this uh, empty place. It is formative. Again, that's not good or bad. That just is. We want to be aware of it. Therefore, again, under the word wisdom, make sure, let's make sure that our core is deeply, satisfyingly connected to our union with Christ. Why? Because, as I mentioned in this, in this paragraph, um, social media, if you're going in paranoid, that's going to only drive you by fear. If you go in naive, listen, if you don't have an identity right now defined theologically through your union with Christ, but also experientially, really enjoying living water, really from the heart, loving the triune God, knowing that you are Abba's child, really in our churches, purposing by God's grace to say a love spiritually. If, if that's not our identity, someone, something, or many of them are going to redefine us. It's, it's why right now in contemporary world, more than ever, we hear this particular conversation, I identify as... You know what, at one level, uh, rather than just an, an instinctively offering bristling and pushback, uh, 
I'd far rather someone own their identity or even their intended identity than to be clueless, right? Well, let's not worry about them, right? Let's think about us. Please, a part of wisdom is know the environment of social media. It is loaded. Understand how critical it is right now and moving forward to be in the core of our being, to be fully, deeply satisfied in the Lord Jesus, growing in our awareness of the gospel. Really, there's nothing more than the gospel. There's just more of the gospel. And the more we are alive to every good thing we have in Christ, the more we are alive to the whole of God's story, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, the more as we do participate, we can do so with wisdom. Now, um, let me give you uh, an author in two books he wrote that are eminently helpful about helping Christians think in terms of the story of God, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and how to, whether it's listening to a tweet, interacting with a blog, following some post, or being bombarded by all kinds of different agendas and ideologies, these two books help us slow down a little bit, listen, enter, engage, and bring the gospel to bear. These two, well, first of all, the author, his name is Daniel Strange, and he wrote these two books. The first one is Plugged In, Connecting Your Faith with What You Watch, Read, and Play. This is a great book on helping us not just exegete the Bible, but exegete our culture to really to say what story is behind that text, that blog, that video, that thing that's trying to get me to think other than I think. His second book is Making Faith Magnetic, Five Hidden Themes Our Culture Can't Stop Talking About and How to Connect Them to Christ. Daniel Strange, again, this is in your notes. Second of three words I am using to help us have this conversation together. And really, right, 25, 30 minutes is just a beginning of a conversation. And I'm really talking way too fast, and I know that. So I'll slow down during the Q&A. Along with engaging with a theological foundation in the gospel, along with doing that with wisdom, also with moderation. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, unless you are vocationally involved in social media, participate with moderation, just like we have to learn moderation with what? Shopping, food, exercise, our hobbies, our work, right? I mean, the scriptures are clear. We are free to do so much, but not everything is profitable. So um, when it comes to social media, or if the conversation simply was screen time, you see, here, here's what I want you to think about in this conversation. Um, are we being discipled all of the time? Now, what is discipleship? Its most basic core definition is being formed, being shaped by what I see, by what I hear, by what I'm compelled to believe, by what I define as truth. And social media, television, entertainment, just even texting a friend that's just kind of just bantering on and on about anything and us joining the party. It's formative. So don't be paranoid about that. Don't be naive about that. Enter into the understanding that, as Paul writes in Romans 12, 1 and 2, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we, we want moderation. 
Um, what is the worst possible time to go to a shopping mall or to spend time online at Amazon or for me, it's fishing stores? Uh, there are times you should never go shopping. Number one, without a list, without a goal, without a sense of need versus desire, right? That's why they call it advertisement. And, and, and moderation. Again, just know that social media. Now, through COVID, moderation blew up. And I think um, a lot of us uh, threw caution to the wind and just went in various directions through COVID because we weren't able to enjoy time together. Well, you know what? That's changing now. And so we want to think about what does a stewardship of my time look like? If, if I'm, uh, even if I'm going just to good Christian community or even uh, Christian blog rooms, know the difference between the good and the best. Moderation is freedom. Make sure you're putting the right things in place so that the non-essentials don't just eat up most of your mental, emotional, spiritual energy like the cereal on the bottle of, bottom of the bowl sopping up the remaining milk. Don't let um, things unworthy of your imagination and heart and mind to take precedent over the true good and beautiful, which is Jesus himself. And of course, the whole of the word of God. So moderation. I mean, you can exercise too much. I had uh, four orthopedic surgeries, two torn rotator cuffs, ruptured L5S1, and a torn meniscus because I took exercise too far. It would not stretch, overdid it. So even good stuff made ultimate stuff isn't good for you. How much more so when it comes to something that can be so alluring like um, social media? Lastly, again, along with wisdom, along with moderation, lastly, with intentionality. Uh, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big part of life, is it not? Intentionality. And uh, by intentionality, I mean this. Think of social media as an incredible place to give us a lot of good stuff. And, uh, and, and, and there are appropriate communities of hobbies and interests that you have for just good interactions. And, and it, my, my wife loves to watercolor and, and she has really benefited from the best of what uh, social media can give through watercoloring classes, et cetera. Uh, but just again, think about it with me. Be intentional about two things. Number one, uh, social media can serve as a way of bringing some some good food, but also intentional about depositing the gospel. Part of my calling is professionally to be involved in social media. I, every single day, blog at the Gospel Coalition website. Uh, every single day, I post prayers that I post prayers there that I also put on my Facebook account, both my personal account and a uh, simply another account. I don't know why they call those fan accounts, but whatever it is. And then on Twitter. Uh, but I'm, you know, I don't use Twitter to kind of scroll through just reading through every little, you know, uh, every little hiccup, every little declaration, every little diatribe that's coming down the pike. And you know why on Social media, there are things called mute and unfollow because if you're not careful, you can take the bait. So intentionally, I love the fact that social media can be an incredible,
incredible forum for planting gospel seed. And also back to faith, hope, and love, practicing non-reactive presence, non-anxious presence. So if, if you are involved in some Twitter feed or some interaction, be aware of the pulls coming towards you. If you find yourself wanting to repay snarkiness with snarkiness as opposed to repaying all things with truth, goodness, and beauty, good chance to learn something about you. Where, where, where is the spirit of the age of counseling, of, 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 of fear, of pessimism, of first versus them? Where has that been more powerful in your heart and life than God's story? Men and women, you've got the echoes of Eden in your soul. We know we're made for a paradise that got horribly broken. But we also know this right now, we are participating in God's story. We are characters in God's story through the gospel. We are carriers of God's story. And it's one of the reasons we love NBC, is it not? Why we support, why we invest, why we encourage. We, we love participating in the best what places uh, and fellowship and perspective that comes to us like NBC. I'm so thankful for NBC. I so wish I was there with you this week, fishing or not with John. Now that's always fun, but listen, just marinating in the gospel together, coming back to gospel sanity together, reeling back in our fear, pessimism, and anger, really seeing the culture of the gospel created in our hearts. I hope these thoughts are helpful. Just a quick summary, as I legally have about two minutes here. My three primary theological presuppositions were, indeed, the Bible tells our story and declares our meaning. Creation, fall, redemption, consummation. This is our Father's word. Jesus is making all things new. We live in the already and not yet. Of course, it's tense but we're pregnant with glory. It's not a tumor inside of us. This world, this story is going somewhere. Number two, as Christians, we are called to offer redemptive presence everywhere all the time. Number three, truly faith, hope, and love, not fear, pessimism, and anger. Those three words we will talk more about. How do we enter social media and a divided culture and world with wisdom, with moderation, with intentionality? That was Scotty's pre-recorded talk from the summer of 2022 about social media. Let's go now to our conversation from last week about how to thoughtfully engage with those around you in a world that is so, so divided and angry. We dive deeper into Scotty's framework about wisdom, moderation, and intentionality. And as always, he is just so generous and a great pastor to everyone. Scotty, thank you so much for being a part of the Transforming Culture podcast. As I explained in the introduction for this podcast, uh, this is the first episode where I haven't actually met the person that I'm interviewing in person. Everyone else, we've had the chance to do that. You know, we were very sad you weren't able to join us at NBC this summer. But John knows that you're coming back one day to catch some big fish, and we're excited for that. So thank you for being willing to be here. Luke, it's a joy to be here. I love the NBC family, and it's just a privilege to have this conversation with you today about a very important topic and a very timely one. Yeah, it's it's not lost on me that we're using technology to fix the problem of not being able to meet in person, and we're about to talk about technology. Uh, you know, and one of the things you said very early in your talk that got me 
picked right away. Like my, my interest peaked is you said we shouldn't demonize social media or we shouldn't deify it. And it was such a lovely line because I just realized right away, social media technology, it's a tool. It is not the ends. It is not the beginning of something. It's a tool. Uh, and yet we've got so much hope so many hopes and dreams that we've placed on social media, you know, it will be the solution to all our problems. As we record this in mid-November, we're watching Elon Musk kind of destroy or maybe reinvent Twitter and everyone's wondering what's going to happen there. The tool itself is just a tool, but it's people who control the tools. And that was something that throughout your talk when you were sharing, it just kept coming back to me over and over again. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. How are we using the tool? I don't use a hammer to screw in a screw. I use a screwdriver. How am I using this tool of social media? Do you have any thoughts about kind of that toolness nature of it as we get going? Yeah, that's a beautiful picture because really all the way back to the beginning of our story recorded for us in God's word, we are called to be stewards of God's good gifts, right? There's, there's three ways we can respond to any of God's gifts, misuse, disuse, and right use. So I see really social media or the, the opportunities within uh, the world to take uh, aspects of culture like communication, like microphones, and to redeem them, to set them apart for a larger purpose. So I think that's exactly what we're doing uh, in terms of social media. We're called to be a social people, i.e. engaging relationally with our God, with one another and the world. Hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it's so difficult. Sometimes I think we can, I mean, the Bible talks about this, the 10 commandments talks about, you shall have no other gods before me. It is for me, at least living in the generation I live in and in the world we live in, it's so easy to replace God with something else. And it feels to me in many ways that it's happening all over the place on social media. I mean, as we talk about this, it's, I think three days after a midterm election in the U S where you are. Um, and I was driving down kind of near the U.S. border in Canada the other day, and I, I caught an American radio station accidentally. I don't know how. And the woman who was the interviewer just said, you know, this election might have gone well for some of you, and it might have gone badly for some of you. Just a reminder, we're all Americans, and we're all on the same team. And right away, I transposed that to we're all Christians. We're all Christ followers. We're on the same team. And yet people are so angry all the time, uh, you know. One of the things that I, I would have loved to have asked you if you were here in person, and I'm sure people would have asked you, you know, over the Q&A and all that is, is it worth all of the anger that we're going through with social media? Because, you know, the topic of this session today is social media in a divided world. You give some really clear tips that we'll get into about how to handle that dividedness. I'm really left just wondering, is the anger worth it? No, it's not. And in fact, I'm not sure if I remember if I included this or not earlier, but there's a beautiful contrast, a painful, a poignant contrast in Galatians 5 that fits into every generation of however Christians communicate and connect. In the book of Galatians, Paul says, here's two options. If you keep on biting and devouring one another, you will be destroyed by one another. Then he goes on to say, Really, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. So my suggestion, my thoughts would be this, Luke, that, that really we, we need to know we didn't invent anger, right? It's, it's, a, it's an emotion that tragically gets a life of its own when it's driven by false gods and a lack of trust in the one true sovereign heavenly father that we have in the gospel. So I think that contrast, biting and devour one another, and Paul's writing to Christians, 
faith expressing itself in love. This is what we're talking about. If we're online, if we're in church, if we're in the neighborhood, if we're in a marriage, if we are simply positioned in God's story in his world. What what does that look like for you when you've got stuff that you're dealing with, you know, maybe, um, <laughs> so here, maybe I'll just be honest. I left social media a little while ago. Uh, and and mostly it was because I couldn't handle it. And and that's a weird thing to admit because, you know, I'm 36. I feel like, oh, I should be able to handle a few Instagram posts or Twitter. But it, it was kind of a process for me. You know, the first thing I left was Twitter. And Twitter, I will just be honest, I've called it the cesspool of the internet for a long time. I think there's something very unwise about being able to say how you feel in 140 or 280 characters or less, because what happens is you lack nuance, you lack all of these things. The next thing that went was Facebook for me, uh, because there was too much posting of political stuff. I'm, I am interested in politics, you know, my history, I've got politics in my history, so I don't want to get away from that or, or kind of ignore that that's true of me. But there was just so much, it was so easy to re repost, reshare things. And unlike Twitter, uh, everybody had an opinion about everything. And Twitter, I was following people I didn't know. And Facebook, I followed people I did know. So Facebook went uh, because I ran into the situation where I was seeing people I really love and admire say things I didn't agree with. And I thought, I'd rather just not know what you feel about this. Um, as a camp director, I always used to tell my staff, just because you're really good in the summer when you work at camp, doesn't mean I don't see what you're doing on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Snap TikTok and Snapchat and all those, you know, other times of the year. So just be aware of the things that you share matter. People see them. And then the final thing to go was Instagram for me. Those are the big three back in the day. I've never really gotten into the new ones. Uh, but Instagram, it just the realization that people were posting lives that were not real. Uh, I had a staff member at a previous camp where I worked explain to me that she had two Instagram accounts. She had her real Instagram account, which was, you know, her her name at her name kind of thing. And on that Instagram account, she didn't post things about her real life. She posted kind of the things she knew that potential job employers or universities would want to see. And then she had what she called a Finstagram account or a fake Instagram account. And very few people got to be a part of her Finstagram account. But that's where she posted the real self and the real stuff that she cared about. And so I said to her, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you've got a fake Instagram account where you share the real you and a real Instagram account where you share the fake you. And she said, yes. And she didn't see a problem with it. And that was kind of the beginning of the end for Instagram for me. I just thought, I can't do this. Like this, this isn't working. So I'm in one sense, I'm kind of like hands up in the air. I'm out. I'm done with this. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And yet it's such a valuable tool. And I go back to that tool mentality. You know, one of my questions, if it's not a tool that we're using, who's using these tools Who's coming after it? What What do you think about that? Well, I'm spot on. And the only reason I am still have a Twitter handle and a Facebook account is to make deposits. I don't spend time scrolling. I don't want to allow myself to just invite into my heart some of the um, toxins, some of the triggerable stuff that I know is going to take me to a dark place. So for me, I see, for instance, my Twitter feed and my Facebook, it's where I post every single day. The prayers are right for Gospel Coalition. It's where I post Gospel Nuggets. <clears throat> and, and therefore, my intentionality is not really on either of those forums to have conversation, but to really to believe, you know, the call to plant seeds, put words. So, someone's going to read that scripture I read, and I believe in God's spirit might very well just apply that word in the in the chaos and the darkness of a lot of what 
does completely define social media. So that that's my intentionality. And um, anything other than that, no, it's a negative consequence for me. So stewardship, using it wisely, and then uh, leaving when I need to. Yeah, absolutely. And I, sh- I should be honest. I think, you know, I say to people, I'm off social media. One of the one, the one thing I hung on to with Instagram is that we have family who live far and wide across the country, across the world. Um, so it's true. Actually, it is true that I do have an Instagram account. I don't, you have to be an actual family member of mine to be on that account. I don't look at Instagram once, maybe a month or every three months, I'll remember to post a photo of my children because we were getting flack from some extended family members saying, we never see your kids anymore. We never, I thought, a hundred years ago, I, you know, we we just finished reading. We're kind of reading through uh, Little House on the Prairie with our daughter. She's nine, uh, and you know, I just I keep marveling. Like Pa and Ma pick up their family and move throughout that book series over and over, and just gone. Like there's there's no reconnecting. You have to make a whole new friend group, and it's a completely different world. Um, there, I, I can't remember the exact number right now, but I, I do remember reading that there's, there's a maximum number of people that our human brains are kind of designed to handle. Um, you know, I think it's somewhere around 120 or something like that. What, what does that do to a person who just cannot disconnect? And that's, you, you talked about wisdom, moderation, and intentionality. I love those words. You know, that is something that I'm going to get tattooed on my forehead. Maybe we'll have you back next year. You can talk about tattoos and whether they're okay or not. But, um, you know, wisdom, intentionality, moderation, there are people who just, they're addicted. And it's an actual dopamine-based addiction. And it's unhealthy. How do we, how do we start dealing with that? If, if there's someone who maybe recognizes in themselves or in a loved one, this is happening too much. What do we do about that? Well, in a, in a similar fashion, it's like, what do I do when I know that I have cultivated a bad habit of eating half of a chocolate cake before I go to bed every night? Well, it's a good habit. I, I like that to, habit. <laughs> <laughs> I love chocolate. I love cake and I love sleep. I agree. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's some, the, the, the wisdom is this, you know, there's, there's an outcome to this choice and, and I need to consider, am I free to do it? Yes. But the scriptures say all things are, permissible, but not all things are profitable. So there's a real sense of um, what's the wisdom in, uh, as scripture says, controlling my appetites by focusing my passion. And it's where the heartbeat of the gospel is loving the Lord, our God, with everything we have and are. And really, Lucas, we're doing that in response to the gospel. There's less vacuum. There's less room that will be picked up by, let's say, obsessions that have the power to become an addiction. So Absolutely. Some of us that have only been hooked into social media or exercise or you name it too much, there needs to be some fasting, a break, and to consider, maybe I'm not called to participate that at all. I do know this, that as a believer, I'm called to live such a good life, as Peter says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they criticize you on the day of Christ, they will See, honor and glorify the one that you honored. So we, we're not called to retreat completely, but there's aspects of life in the culture we have to be wise about and very intentional. And intentionality to me has become my new way forward. Why am I doing this? How can I bring glory to God in it? Is it fueling my love for God and neighbor? Or is it, is it thieving, robbing, distorting those? 
Yeah. It's funny. You, you just talked about Peter. My family is reading through the book of Acts right now at the end of the day. Uh, we read about a chapter a night and we've just finished the passage where Peter goes and meets with Cornelius. And in there, he says, you know, God has shown me not to call any person unclean or impure. And in a sense, you know, I have to remember sometimes too, the people to whom I'm speaking are not, you know, they may not be believers, they may not, but they are God's, they are made in the image of God. They're God's children in some sense, you know, whether they follow him or not, that's a, that's a difficult thing to remember sometimes when we really get angry because so much we're focused on the point of the story. You know, this is what I'm trying to prove as opposed to remember the characters in the story. Uh, And that's something that I, just being honest, like I'd probably need to even remind myself And as I say this, I'm thinking, is there a way that I can re-engage with social media in a more intentional, moderated, wise way that is helpful where I can bless those people to whom I'm called? Um, You know, Peter, Peter has shown that blanket full of animals three times. It takes him a while to figure out that he actually does need to pay attention because he keeps saying, Lord, you know that I can't do this. Uh, The number three in Peter just keeps coming up. You know, he (laughs) needs things in threes. The rooster crows three times. He needs to be restored three times. Exactly. Well, I, and I think, so as you were chatting, here, here's a thought that occurs to me relative to uh, this trifecta of, you know, wisdom, intentionality, and moderation. Um, a lot of people, uh, social media has become counterfeit relationship. And, and there's something that in the anonymity or the controlling of my presenting who I am, that really is replacing what needs to be prior to it, which is rich relationship and community. I think the only people that are prepared to participate in social media or other environments that are highly influential are those that are walking with brothers and sisters in Jesus that look each other in the face, love each other, are you know a part of a local community seeking to worship living God. Then as we engage the culture, in whatever way, where I work, where I live, where I play, where I go online, it's out of the overflow of, of not looking to social media to validate me, but to say, Lord, how, how do I use words and images to basically uh, be kind of like this uh, Trojan horse of gospel sanity in a world of wickedness? And uh, not everybody's called to do that, but that's certainly a way we can think about social media and other participatory environments for believers. Yeah, I thinking about test everything, hold on to what is good. You know, generally speaking, I think most things that you and I or any Christian would agree, you know, some things are good, some things are bad, right? Everything is uh, permissible, not everything is beneficial. And yet, perhaps what I'm hearing you say and what I'm maybe coming to terms with is that you may be called into a sphere where I'm not called because it's not beneficial for me. Right. Social media is not knowing my own personal state. You know, we bandy around the term mental health nowadays. But, you know, based on what I know about myself and my upbringing and how I've been raised and what I believe and all of these things, it might not be okay for me to spend that much time on social media because there there's a weakness there where I can get trapped in proving a point. Right. Like I'm a justice seeker. And if I see wrong, I want to write that wrong. And I will go down, drill down all the way to the to the end just to prove a point. Well, that's not necessarily making followers of Jesus. Uh, I mean, current followers of Jesus would probably not be happy because I push them a little bit too much. And people who don't follow Jesus are going, this guy's a psycho. What is he talking about? Right. So, so well, you know, and, and that I think that's a good application for Paul's warning in the pastoral epistles about warn a divisive person once after the second time, have nothing to do with them. Meaning this, uh, we can be 
pulled into divisiveness. We can get triggered, whether it's uh, in the so-called safety of social media, where I still have a bit of control, right? I can get pulled in and I can become that divisive person. So scriptures are clear. Just don't go there. It's unprofitable. It's not going to, it's not going to gain anything. It's going to um, rob your own heart of beauty. And it's, you're really not going to shame somebody into the kingdom of God. So, you know, be careful, be wise, be present, but always how does faith express itself in love, not my flesh express itself in rightness and combativeness. Yeah. You, you talked a little bit earlier about, so we talked about that trifecta, the wisdom, the moderation, intentionality, and you, you talked a little bit earlier about the intentionality with which, you know, it sounds like you're just posting your, your, putting things into the well, you know, you're making deposits, not necessarily withdrawals. Um, was that a realization for you as someone, you know, I, I do remember pre-internet, I'm, I'm 36, but I can remember in my mind that very clunky ka-chung, ka-chung, sound, you know, uh, when we had to, my mom said, you have to get off the internet, I use, need to use the phone because those were the same line at one point. You, you were generationally in a place where you remember pre the internet with much more clarity than even I I'm wondering if you can talk about some of the benefits that you see, because it sounds right now like we're all afraid of social media, but also going after this idea that it's a tool and it's something we need to use. Can you talk to me about what are some of the benefits you've seen? Like you're, you are choosing to make deposits. So with intentionality, you're choosing that. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think I mentioned this in, in the, in the, in the, in the group sharing time we had, like, so when we think of social media, we can think of the, uh, we can think of the macro and we can think of the micro. In other words, when, when I hear the phrase social media, I'm going to start with the whole world of Internet, right? Because there's a way in which it's fair to say social media in the broadest sense is, is the whole Internet, all right? In a more narrow sense, we're talking about platforms that have been a very important part of this conversation, continue to be, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, etc. So I think at the larger level... I can see here's an upside of a worldwide internet. Uh, my, you know, friends that run Third Mill Ministry have made it possible for anybody that has a Wi-Fi signal in the world to get a first-rate, uh, free theological education grounded in the inerrancy of Scripture and a high view of God. Richard Pratt, I don't know if you know that name. He taught for years. He's a Harvard-trained Christian taught at Reform Seminary in Orlando for years. And third millennium ministry is we are going to take advantage of this thing called the Internet and fill it full of free truth, goodness, and beauty for anybody that's got a signal. Now, okay, there's a good use, all right? That's, that's the large level, smaller level, all these platforms. Some of them, by, as you mentioned, by very design, I'm not sure what the redemptive outcome would be of TikTok. You know, maybe some creativity. Some of these other rooms, though, that are even designed just to kind of in a nefarious fashion. I don't want anything to do with that. If I am, you know, if I'm called to, uh, well, I won't even go there. I don't want to talk about how can I be called to that. I do know <laughs> that like my some wife, of them my, more, my wife never wants to mention the, to God that she's afraid of going to China because she knows if she does that, God will call her to China, right? Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I mean, there are some people I she's, know. She's nothing against China. She's just for some, when she was growing up, she wanted to be a missionary. And she said, just, I can't tell God not China because he'll call me to China if I say not China. She used to tell that story all the time. Yeah. 
Well, I've got, I've got friends who live in Silicon Valley that work for all of these social media organizations. And as believers, they're saying, I want to offer some redemptive presence where I can. It's not because they simply give me a good salary. I have a sense of, or like the church planter that would say, you're right, there's a real risk in, in planting this church in downtown Chicago where there's been gang wars. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm believing that there's all kinds of ways in which God, with wisdom, with intentionality and the right vision, causes people. And uh, it's it's not one size fits all. When you were sharing about um, freedom and the use of freedom, I thought of Romans 12 through 14 and that whole conversation about eating meat sacrificed to idols or not. And Paul says, I can do both, but for the sake of brotherly love, I will restrain my freedom for the sake of something, something bigger. And I think there are certain applications where um, I don't want to go legislating. Every believer cannot possibly think that God would call you to be have a Twitter account. That's just very naive. And, uh, and yet we all want to say to each other, stewardship, 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 you know, be intentional, be present, be wise, and uh, live out of a rich community of followers of Christ that are not afraid of the world, but can sing the hymn with meaning, this is my father's world. And it's destined one day to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God when Christ returns. So I want to offer redemptive presence, but also want to be wise. There's an enemy prowling. Uh, he's lost me for eternity, but if he can have me for lunch today, he'll do it. Yeah. It's funny. The next question I had written down here, what you talked about back in the summer, you know, over that recording makes me and, and what our podcast listeners would have just heard. It makes me think so much about the now and the not yet. We live in this tension and so many of us as believers wish the fight was over. And in one sense, you know, I was thinking about Revelation 21, the fight is over, right? It is done. It is finished. Jesus says. Outcomes determined, Yes. However, we have not lived the outcome. We have not made it to the complete outcome yet. Um, and, and that can be so hard engaging with things where, you know, I, I pray for friends and family who aren't believers. I want them to know Jesus. I want them to love him. I was going to say like I love him, but probably even better than I love him because I'm a sinner saved by grace as well. Right. And so part of this tension with social media is that it feels like we're watching the world rapidly collapse around us. Um, and it doesn't take more than five minutes on Twitter or Facebook or anything, you know, just click on one hashtag and boom, down the rabbit hole you've gone. And, you know, we are not Alice in Wonderland, right? It's not, it's not quite so imaginative and joyful as Lewis Carroll might've thought. A lot of people have asked me when they've heard this episode is coming up or just engaging with it. Like, and, and to be honest, we've asked it on multiple episodes is it worth holding on to as Christians? There's this real temptation in the world for believers nowadays just to pull back and wait for kingdom to come because we know the outcome is determined. And yet there's work to be done. Yes. Well said. And here, here, here are my thoughts about that. Because as the scriptures would say, at the cross, evil was defeated at Christ's return, evil be eradicated. If I live with an awareness, if I live in the beauty of that tension, that's a good tension. That's why Paul calls that tension in Romans 8, we're, being, we're pregnant with glory. We groan inwardly, we wait eagerly. We're like in the, we have the pains of childbirth, not the pains of cancer, pains of childbirth. So I would suggest, Luke, that um, we, we don't want to retreat and just hold on till Jesus comes back. That's not a biblical 
precedent or calling. We're, we're, you know, Israel was to be a light to the nations. Tragically, they became a blight to the community. Mm. But that doesn't mean we're still not called to be a light. You know, we the church is a light set on a hill, not under a bushel. So there's wisdom and importance of saying we cannot... We cannot completely disengage, and we dare not think we're called to fix something before Jesus comes back. You know, in other words, hope is something that empowers us to know that our labors in the Lord will never be in vain. So we can wisely have intentionality. How do I pray about a certain job? Do I think that believers should only work for other Christians? Can't really make a biblical case for that. Um, how this conversation, which fortunately is in front of us because of the nature of social media, how we think about this should be reflected in how we think about these other participations. So, uh, no, there's some people that, you know what, I've got good friends who are wise or not paranoid. They don't even own a television anymore. But you know what? It's not because, oh, we're afraid of demons coming through the screen. It's like, you know what? We have found other ways as a family in the season to use the same time we would otherwise use television, even a harmless K drama, right? No, we we know we 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 we're learned to watercolor together. Yeah, or we've learned the art of storytelling. You know, we may buy a TV again someday, but here's why we do what we do: not out of fear, not out of arrogance, but really out of a tension of thanking the Lord that we're not just getting ready to die, but we live while we live to God's glory. Yeah, and that, it goes right to kind of one of my last questions. You know, the wisdom intentionality and the moderation i'm putting you on the spot here i'm aware of that help help our listeners help me to be honest how do i practice moderation or can you you know you've talked about how you you just post you make deposits and then you step back you're not engaging you know that that seems like it takes a lot of discipline not everyone has discipline when it comes to social media maybe they're listening to this and thinking i need to develop discipline do you have any thoughts towards how people can start building those disciplinary muscles? Because it is, it is exercise, right? It, it is the exercise of discipline that allows us to make those intentional wise choices. Moderation seems to be the keystone there that kind of holds it together. Any thoughts towards what people can start to do to practice moderation specifically? Yes. I think the best start and maintaining of discipline is practicing the right disciplines. In other words, the, the more I see in the gospel, okay, I don't have to be a doubt ever again about what God thinks about me because of my forgiveness in Christ and the gift of Christ's righteousness put in my account. God loves me as much as he ever will. Therefore, I want to know him. I'm called to fellowship. I'm, I'm called to walk with Jesus and enjoy him. And, you know, Luke, to, to do that requires certain disciplines. We call them sometimes the spiritual disciplines or the means of grace. And really, if they are, if, if the gospel is compelling to me, I want to spend more time with the Lord. I want to, I want to enjoy him and not do just have a quiet time so I won't get you know hammered today by the culture. So it starts with the discipline of how am I building into my lifestyle uh, a proactive way of saying, I want to see more of the truth, goodness, and beauty of Jesus. As that happens, I begin to realize I've got less time for X, Y, and Z. Those things actually are robbing me of my better commitments. Now, what that has looked like for me is, uh, granted, I'm an empty nester and a granddad that gets to take the grandkids home, right? So I, I don't want to be naive about my lifestyle choices. It's easier for me right now to say, I can start my day with three hours of reflection and study and walking and, and 
but I don't want to hurt him saying everybody else, if you just spent three hours, you know, meditating. Because you all have three hours just sitting there waiting you, for you. You all get three hours. Yeah. You don't have hours to feed school, you know, but you know what? Uh, nobody's, well, if I spend 15 minutes adoring Christ, not having a quiet time, adoring him, that's going to even say, why would I want to kind of go over here to social media? You know, it's beautiful. Look, I think is. As we move more into the gospel, we're less condemned, and we're yet we're more convicted. I just think this is really helpful. And if it, if I go there, Facebook or whatever, is it really to make a deposit of goodness and then just move on? So it, it has absolutely become a discipline for me, and I can get pulled into any. I can get pulled into eating the whole chocolate cake, Luke. Please, you know. Just I'd be right there saying, with you. <laughs> I learned the discipline of, you know, of walking seven miles a day and, and not chocolate cake before bed. You know what? Sometimes I want chocolate cake before bed and I'm, I can do that. I can, but I've learned, ah, here's something I want more. I want to be free. I want to be really involved in relationships in the community. And if that's going to rob me, I'm just, that's, you know, that's, that's going to be an easier choice than if I go there to validate myself or if I'm bored. So that's a, that would be worth another podcast in terms of the phenomenon of boredom and uh, what does boredom really tell us about uh, the lack of intimacy we enjoy with God. But anyway, so enjoying the Lord and then living this glory and thanking him for all the good gifts he gives us to enjoy. Scotty, thank you so much for all your time today. This has been amazing. Uh, I, I feel almost like I'm cheating. Like I, you know, I get paid to do this. I get to sit and talk to all these people with all this wisdom uh, under the guise of passing it on to others. But here I am taking notes myself and getting to go home and ruminate on it too. So we are praying for you. We're sorry that thank we didn't you. catch any fish in 2022, but there's always another year and uh, looking forward to seeing you again. Thank you so much for your ministry, not thank only to you, us, but Luke. to so many people. Well, Luke, anytime, follow up. You want to do anything together, just mano a mano or for this larger community. You got my email. You know how to find me. I would love to serve and visit with you. This has been rich from my own heart this morning. Thank you, brother. Thanks so much, Scott. That's it for our first ever all digital episode of Transforming Culture. We're back next week with our second to last episode for the season when we plan to talk to Steve West about social justice and how to engage with those who want to go in that direction. That episode drops next Monday morning and I would recommend it to you as an engaging conversation that will help frame the way that you think. As always, if you've enjoyed listening to today's episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, or give us a like on social media. If you have questions or comments, We'd love to hear from you. Transforming Culture is a production of Muskoka Bible Center. It's hosted and produced by Luke LaRock. Editing, sound design, and mixing by Abhishek Varghese. Audio and technical support from Charles West and the summer 2022 AV team. The theme song is Citizens by John Guerra. Graphic design by Christina Tabakal-Hotz. We'll see you next Monday for our next episode of Transforming Culture.